Good morning. Our central text today is from John 1, verses 1 through 11. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, good morning. I'm Chaz. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, before we start, um, if you're walking around this morning and notice, maybe this looks more festive than a, the set of a Hallmark Christmas movie, uh, we have some people to thank for that. Uh, some people who've generously given their time. It's Michael and Shannon Bowen. In fact, even those camels right there, she, she printed those out, hand cut them, and glued them on there. Now, I have no idea they're going to come off. Uh, after we take everything down, but they look amazing. So we really appreciate that <laughs> painting on. Yeah, there we go. Uh, but that's generosity in action. Second thing I want to say before we start, uh, we have an imp- you'll notice the theme, light of the world. That's the, that's the backdrop uh, for Advent. And I just want to say this now, darkness hates light. Darkness hates light. And because of the fact that there's darkness in all of us, I really want to just challenge us to settle in and really pray because you've got some resistance that's going to come up uh, as it has, as as I was writing the sermon. So there's some theological stuff in here and there's some really good application. I think that's going to be really challenging and helpful for all of us. So Lord, we, I can't make that happen. Um, Your spirit moves as it moves, but uh, we, we, Christmas is this this story. There's darkness in, in the world and in my heart, and in all of our hearts, and it requires light coming in from the outside because we're blind and we can't see, and without light, there is no life. So I just pray, uh, Lord, that you would blow as you blow. In your your name, we pray. Amen. Um, I don't know if anybody's been watching the Rings of Power. Has anybody been watching this? It came out about a year ago, Amazon's sort of prequel. It's about a thousand years before all the events of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings all take place really well done. I think they spent a billion dollars on it. But there's, uh, in the first episode, if you've seen it, you may remember, right in the beginning, we're introduced to a very young Galadriel. And she is very determined to make this little paper boat and to get it to set sail on its maiden voyage among this beautiful creek and this really idyllic setting, this meadow. And no sooner does she get this boat to set sail, do some kids show up, and what happens? You remember, if some of you have seen it, they start throwing stones at it to get it to sink, and the boat's destroyed. And she's enraged about it. And so she races over and tackles one of the boys, and she's getting ready to 
punch him in the face, and all of a sudden a very kind voice shows up from the back. Lose your footing again, Galadriel. (laughs) And that voice of kindness is her hero. It's her brother, Finrod, and he knows darkness is coming in, and it can even be in her heart. And so they sit down behind a tree, and he says to her, and it's a really cool line. I encourage you to go back and watch it if you haven't seen it. He says, you know, do you know why a ship floats and a stone cannot? Because the stone sees only downward. The darkness of the water, it's vast and irresistible. The ship feels the darkness as well, striving moment by moment to master her and pull her under. But the ship has a secret. For unlike the stone, her gaze is not downward but up, fixed upon the light that guides her, whispering of grander things than darkness ever knew. And ever so curious and bright, she asks... She says, but, but sometimes the lights shine just as brightly reflected in the water as they do in the sky. It's hard to say which way is up and which way is down. How am I to know which lights to follow? And then he whispers into her ear, but we, the audience, we can't hear what he says. And it's not until later in the, in the first episode where an uh, older Gladriel and you, is there in the scene, and darkness is starting to come over Middle Earth already, this virgin world. And it's getting darker and darker, and out of nowhere, a light just enters the atmosphere like a comet. And it starts shooting through the sky, and everybody can seem to see it. It's a great light, and it's a person. Now, we don't know who it is. I'm betting Gandalf, just saying. I don't know. I'm sure some of you think that. We don't know. He's called the stranger. But as soon as you see this contrast, things are getting darker. Light has to come in from the outside, and then you can hear. She goes back to that conversation. She hears her brother's words. How am I to know which lights to follow? He said, sometimes we cannot know until we've touched the darkness. That's a great juxtaposition. Darkness, but yet light having to come in. And that's not only this what we see in Middle Earth, but that's the story in every story, isn't it? Light and darkness. Darkness and light. And that's our story. See, Christmas is, you know, there's cozy, right? There's Hallmark movies. I've watched Adult More Christmas this week too, okay? We all had to do it, the train station. But, you know, it's this time, it's cozy, and then we're, we're going to light up the world together, strive for peace. But the intro to the Gospel of John is anything but sentimental. Light had to come into darkness. Because it truly is darkness in this world and in our hearts. Do we, do we know that? Because we know light is essential for life. Not only can we see, but you can't grow without light. So let's thoughtfully go through this. There's some high theology in this. We're going to try to get out of the nosebleed section first, really quickly in the first point, but it's necessary. But then two, rejecting the light. And that's where we're going to really hit the application. And then lastly, this is the gospel, the light of the world. So recreated through the light, rejecting the light and the light of the world. Let's just dive right in, being recreated through the light. And you'll notice the gospel of John it's unlike any other of the other three Gospels, the synoptics. There's, where's the genealogy, right? <laughs> where's the birth narrative? Where's the shepherds in the field? They're, they're not there. If you notice something, what does this remind you of right here? In the beginning. Does anybody strike any memories for you? Rhymes with phenesis, okay? <laughs> Genesis. And that's important because what happens? Notice immediately God says in Genesis, what? Let there, what, what happens? He's creating the world. And then he says, what? Let there be what? Light. Light's essential for life. You can't have life without light. There is no photosynthesis. I mean, it can't happen. 
Uh, and interesting, I Googled this week, what would happen if the, if the sun just stopped shining and it just disappeared? I mean, we'd have about eight minutes of light left, and then the world, I mean, temperatures would just plummet. There's warmth in the core of the earth, but, you know, the oceans would freeze over. There would be, the earth couldn't, you couldn't live here. And, and our gravitational pull would be off. Our, our planet would collide with other planets. In fact, you know, even me, I mean, just like this is day three or four of cloudiness, my gravitational pull is a bit off right now. Like I feel a little dampened and my mood's off. I guess I need to watch Piltmore Christmas again to feel better. But, but we need light. The question is, is what is he doing? Why Genesis? What is he, why is he saying that? Because see, physical light came in the world in Genesis 1, but what happened in chapter 3? A dark shadow came over the world, didn't it? Darkness entered the world. It slithered into Eden, didn't it? And all of a sudden, now there's death, and now there's sin. Just as it is impossible to live physically without sunlight, John's opening his gospel trying to send a message to all of us. Spiritual life is inhabitable. I can hardly say that word. I don't even know if I just did it right. But you, you, you can't, you have to have light to live spiritually. And the challenge is, is we don't understand that. If we're all being honest, there's a lack of true comprehension of the depth of the darkness that John is trying to tell us exists in the world. And he's got two groups. Now, here comes the theology that he's writing to. And he's two groups that both really don't comprehend the darkness all that well that he's trying to make a point to. And it's the religious person and it's the non-religious secularist. The religious people he's writing to are the Jews. The non-religious person he's writing to are the Greeks, the Greek philosophers. And both would say, yeah, you know, there's some darkness in the world, but I don't know if I buy it. It's that bad. See, the Jews, they would say there is a shadow over this world. There is darkness. You know what it is? It's Rome. Their shadow lings over us every day of our lives, their occupation, and we need light, and that light will be the Messiah. And when he comes, you know what he's going to do for us? Smite the darkness, the enemies, the Romans. The Romans. And he will give us light. He will give us political power, political position. He will give us our country back. The Greeks believed that there was darkness as well. Uh, but, but the problem is we can make it right. We can, all we got to do is get right with the universe. So this word, word, okay, it seems like a no big deal thing in the Greek. It's the word, Greek word. Does anybody know the Greek word for word? Great job, man. Bet you have a tattoo or about that maybe. I don't know. But anyway, uh, word. But that word wasn't just a word. It was a philosophical system. People believed that the logos was this impersonal force that governed the universe. And all the principles of the universe were all governed by that. And they would, people would basically say, if there's anything wrong in the world, if there's any darkness, it's because we're not living in line with the principles of the Logos. And here's what we need. We need more illumination. We need more philosophy. We need more education. We need more technology. John is brilliantly trying to address both parties by making a case and saying, you don't understand the world's far darker than you're giving credence for because to the Greeks, what is he doing? He's saying to them, you think this universe is governed by this impersonal force and that you think that if we just had enough 
knowledge that things would be lighter. But here's right out of the beginning, what is he saying? In the beginning was the logos. And the logos isn't impersonal, it's a person. The logos is Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, and he has come into the world, he created the world, but he also entered it. He breached Earth's atmosphere. This great light has come into the world, not just to light the way, but frankly, because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And to the Jews, and we'll get out of the theology here in just a second, but they stoutly contended for monotheism. They believe there's only, God is one. And here's John saying, yeah, he's one, but he's three persons. And the logos of God is, is the Messiah, and he was there at the beginning of the world's creation, but he's always pre-eternally existed. He was with God. Now, that's the theology. Question is, well, what does that, any of that mean besides just mere information? He's trying to prove something. The divinity of Christ, the absolute necessity of his entrance as light into the world. And what does that message ultimately convey? That Christ... What you have here in the book of John, he's just saying, when Jesus Christ came, when Advent, the incarnation, we have on our hands a second creation event taking place on the earth. There was the physical creation, but now we need a recreation spiritually. And it's why, for example, when Paul speaks of us who are in Christ, and here in 2 Corinthians, what does he say? What does he say? Say it with me. New creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. Light is essential for life. But spiritually, we're in the darkness. In the dark. Light has to come into our world, into our hearts, into our souls. Otherwise, we are left out in the dark. I read a great article. A woman named Lauren Ray um, her and her husband, uh, about three or four years ago, felt led to, to feel this stirring happening in their hearts to move to the Netherlands. And here they were living comfortably in Memphis, Tennessee, but because of his job, they could move wherever they wanted to. And so they did. And they moved right at the onset of the pandemic. And as they found a church, um, they arrive, and all of a sudden, Lauren meets a woman at the church who's doing work with victims of sexual tra uh, human trafficking. And she had felt this burden in her heart to do something about that. And with this connection, she joined in with her and starts walking and praying in the red light district of the Netherlands. A dark place, ironically, that we're calling light, but a very dark place. And as soon as the pandemic hits, she loses this connection with the person because they got stuck in the United States. And so she just starts bravely going back. She had only been there once or twice before walking in this really dark city place. And she just walks and she walks. And now the pandemic has hit and people are what? They're, they're out of work. And she wrote this. She said, because of the pandemic, it opened this door for light to come in. She said, I was able to meet the real needs for groceries as these women found themselves suddenly without income due to the national lockdown. And it started with a couple of women and then began to grow. And with support from my church, I delivered groceries weekly to several women. 
This was a massive opportunity to build relationships and establish trust with these precious women outside their work environment. Every encounter was covered in prayer as all of this was very new to me, and I was learning as I went. And the women were very grateful for the food, and several graciously opened their homes and invited me in, invited me inside each week for tea and for good conversation. These women can be very guarded, and trust can take a very long time to build, but it was sweet to see God just doing that as I arrived each week with a pack of groceries. And each delivery was unique to each girl, considering her requests and preferences, and including a handwritten note of encouragement to remind her of hope. And you can read the article. It came out a couple years ago. People came to faith. Scores of women left prostitution found new jobs, found new dignity. We have no idea their, their stories and how, it even, how do you even end up there and how that darkness just, it just shapes your life and your identity. And here comes a light. What happened? What happened? She brought the light of Christ, didn't she, into a seedy place. But see, I love stories like that. And I said, yeah, red light district, dark. Moving story, what can happen when light comes in darkness? But the gospel is that the seedy place that Jesus entered is our heart. He has walked down into a very seedy place into darkness that had us entrapped. Why do we reject it then? Let's really get to talking now. You know, John's gospel is also interesting that not only is the prologue very different uh, than, you know, the rest of the Gospels, there's no genealogy. But it also, he also includes the, the story of Nicodemus. It's a very private conversation. We don't see it uh, elsewhere in any other Gospels. And uh, you can kind of see it here that as they're talking, uh, Jesus and Nicodemus, he's this leader of the Jews. I'm, I think I'm froze up. There it goes. He's listening to Jesus, and Jesus is, what is he doing? He's talking about recreation, new birth, rebirth, born again. <laughs> and he doesn't know what to make of it. He's saying, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus is like, wait, what? Physical birth? How is that possible? Can you enter a, sec a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus says, no, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of of God. Now we're going to pick that up a little bit more next year, I mean next week, excuse me. But for now, do you see that the backdrop of Christmas is an offense? Light has to come into the world because it is dark. And you know what? I agree with that in theory. I, you know, I watch the news at night. I'm like, wow, that is dark. I don't even want to watch the news a lot of times because of that. There's plenty of times when, you know, I'm moved by stories like the red light district story and you know, I'm a pastor. I deal with some dark things. But I'm asking myself, do I really understand that there's darkness and light has to come into my darkness? Nicodemus knew it in theory. You know, there's right here. I mean, he's a teacher of the Jews and his whole life has been built on this. And he knew Isaiah said these things. We're in darkness. <laughs> And the day is coming when we who are dwelling in darkness will have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region, the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. 
but you read the Gospel of John and say, but that didn't really happen, did it? Because the light came, but it wasn't the light they were looking for or thought they need. Because we read, and he says, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. So even Nicodemus is saying, yes, I know the light, that Messiah. He will come. He will bring power. He will bring position. Anything like that. But what he is saying here is there is a, you cannot understand the darkness until you, you cannot understand the light until you see the darkness in your heart. And why? This is one of the more definitive things I think is in the Gospel of John. Why do we reject the light? Why did they reject it? Why do I reject it? Because John tells us here, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. What John is saying here is Christmas is not meant to be sentimentalized or some idea that if we can just come together, gain our own illumination, we'll be okay. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. This is the judgment. Light has come into the world and people love their darkness rather than light because they work for evil. No, you know he didn't say that. But, you know, Peanut stays closer to the script. But can we, do we know that that's the backdrop of Advent? That it's a verdict? It's a judgment? That there's darkness and we don't have the light? You know, people, I don't know if it's true or not, but somebody said it in Monday Bible study, and so it must be true. So I'm going to tell it anyway, and if it's not true, then blame them. Um, but, no, I bet this is true. How definitive is that? I bet this is true. But anyway, people, you know why they get stuck in caves? You know what happens? Their mind starts to play tricks on them in the dark. They start to think that they are seeing light. And you know what happens? They start to follow it. And they get further and further in. That's what John is saying. Our mind plays tricks on us. We think we see light. Education, technology, power, political power. But we need light to come down into the dark place. So I just want us to take, if you've been daydreaming, you got a chance to come back here. And I want us to thoughtfully think through and really challenge ourselves in the next five to eight minutes through some questions. And I just want to thoughtfully ask all of us here, where in our lives are we afraid the light of Christ shine? Think through that. Just right now, I want you to actually stop what you're doing. I want you to think through that. Where in our life are we afraid to let the light of Christ shine? Where are we loving darkness more than light? Every person in this room, according to Genesis 3, is doing that. Not one person in this room is immune to that. And we run from the light because that is exactly what we inherited from Adam and Eve. The light came to them right in the garden. Where are you? Hiding. Hiding. 
One of the reasons why we hide from the light, and John told us, is we're afraid. We're afraid if the light comes in. I mean, this is cancel culture. This is, we want to expose people. We want to shame them. We want to condemn them. And we think that that's how the light of Christ works in our lives. That if something comes to light, I'll be burned up, exposed, shamed, condemned. That is not how the light of Christ comes in. So the question is, is then, what are some things we can do that I think would help us? Danielle, I got one more list for you again, okay? And you're going to really not like it. So there we go. You have to be here two weeks to get that joke. But I think there's three things I got for us that I think could be really helpful. And the first is this. Because the presupposition is there's darkness in your life right now, invite a kind and trustworthy person into your life who can ask you anything. I'm going to say that again. Invite, if you want to take seriously the need for spiritual light, the world works this way, you need physical light, your soul needs light. If we're going to take that seriously, that we cannot grow without his light or heal without his light, then we really do need to invite a trustworthy person in our life who can ask us anything. And I'll be honest with you, that's not a job for just anybody. <laughs> it is not. Uh, I've got you, the, the need for light requires a person who in the light of Christ can, can come in with kindness, compassion, and curiosity. You need truth. The light is truth, and it brings things to light, but it must be matched with grace. Compassion, curiosity, and kindness. Because our greatest desire in life is to be fully known and, our greatest, and to be fully loved. Our greatest fear is to be fully known and not loved. And that's why we're scared of the light. We're afraid that's what's going to happen to us. We are communal beings. We can sit here and pray and pray and pray and ask the Lord to seek our hearts and read the word. Please do those things. But we are created in the image of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we're really not going to experience the light of Christ until we have people like that doing that in our lives. People who are willing to go spelunking (laughs) into our dark caves that we have. Who can bring the light of Christ and say, just follow me, I'm going to take you home. Because that's how much I love you. Again, that is not a job for just anybody. I've got people like that in my life. You know, the session is that. I've got a mentor. Every Friday, I call him, and he asks me the most annoying questions. So I wanted to not take his call this past Friday, okay? And I'm preaching this, okay? <laughs> he asks me challenging questions, and he, but he's for me, and I pick up that phone call, and, man, I need that. And I got a good one in this room. I'm not going to embarrass him. But he can ask me anything because he's earned that right. He keeps showing up. Somebody's got to earn the right to be that. And if you don't have that, then you know what? Ask the Lord for it. If you don't have this right now, and I imagine a lot of you don't, then ask the Lord, because I actually believe he is very eager to give you this. But also, you know what it's going to require? It's not going to fall out of the sky like manna. You're going to have to go to somebody very vulnerably and give them permission to do this. And you're going to have to ask them, would you be willing to do this? All right, two, conduct a loneliness audit. 
you know, I'll just put it this way. Where your loneliness is, there your darkness is. Where your loneliness is, there your darkness will be. Darkness hates light. And isolation is the playing field of evil and sin. The dark places in our lives are also, guess what, the most loneliest places of our lives. The places of our hearts where they are the most lonely and where you've resigned yourself. I can't imagine light ever shining in here. It's never seen the light of day, but it can be. It can be. I was on a retreat a month ago right now, and it was literally just a month ago. I got asked these two questions, and we, were, we had to put a lot of thought into it. Are you lonely? And where are the places in your life where you're the most lonely? And I praise God that my answer five years ago would have been vastly different. I mean, for the most part, I could say, I'm not actually terribly all that lonely, but you know what? All of us are lonely. Matter Now, how much you've got a lot of this, there's always going to be some loneliness there. But you know what happened in this place? Here's all these people, <laughs> and they're getting asked. The light, you know what was happening? Light was coming in through people. <laughs> and nobody was saying, this is miserable. Get me out of here. I'm tapping out. People were experiencing real change and healing and restoration. Because that's what light does. So here comes the big one. Confess your sins to someone this week. I'm not actually kidding. I triple dog dare you to. <laughs> okay? A lot better than putting your tongue on a pole, frozen pole. Why would I suggest the most foolish thing you could ever do? Confess your sins to someone this week. Well, here's why. I'll never forget. You know, one of my professors. Uh, said this thing offhanded in a, in a lecture 16 years ago. I still remember it. You know what he said? Evangelicals are just, just do everything they can to not sound Catholic. They're so scared to ever sound Catholic, they walk away from things we need. Because I know, like, it seems weird. Go to a priest and confess your sins, and they can absolve your sins. Well, neither I or our professor, my professor, believe that a priest can absolve and forgive your sins. Only Jesus can. But you know what we lose in that? Paul says, you are the priesthood of all believers, and I am the priesthood of all believers. And when we sit with others, the experience of Jesus' absolution of our sins is felt in a way you just can't get with me, myself, and Jesus. So, Let's do it right now. Let's take the next five minutes, go to the person to your left and right. Let's apply this because some of you think you need to go to the bathroom. Well, I'm going to make that bladder disappear through this shocking thing. Obviously, I'm kidding, but I'm not kidding about this. I'm challenging myself. I haven't done it yet. I wrote this on Thursday. I still haven't done it. It's kind of scary. But I triple dog dare you. And if you do this, watch out. You know what might actually happen? Bonafide revival. So how can we do this? Where do we get the power? Let's close with the gospel, the light of the world. You know, here it's interesting. Thus far, everything I have said to do would be the dumbest, foolish, most dangerous thing you could ever do in your life if it were not for these two verses right here in the Bible. 
Those three things I said would be toxic for you to do if this was not in the Bible. Now, why is that? Because what are we told throughout the Gospels? I'm the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. I'm the light of the world, a city on a hill, light and lamps. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And then you watch Jesus Christ die. And what do we see? Apparently not much. Darkness came over the whole land. The sunlights failed. And then life slips from him. And he gave up the ghost, as some folks would say. Darkness came over the land, and he's the light of the world on the cross. And now there is physical darkness. I mean, the sun's light failed? What in the world is this all about? Death, I mean, sorry, darkness is a metaphor for judgment. The thing you're so scared light will do to you. Judgment and darkness, it's a metaphor for condemnation, for being shut out and cast out into outer darkness forever. It's a metaphor for judgment and condemnation and shame. The only reason you and I could ever have the courage to do what you just did in point number two is because everything you think the light would do to you fell on Jesus Christ. (laughs) All the darkness, all the shame, all the cutting off, all darkness fell on Jesus Christ because our sin brings that. Our dark deeds, and they were judged. The worst thing that could ever happen to your life is you Come clean, and then you're cut off. And that's what we're doing to one another in society. But what Jesus has done is he's taken on all the darkness so that if you and I step into the light, we will meet his kindness, his healing, his life. He was judged on our behalf. That's why he convicts us of our sin through his word and spirit and life, because he loves us. We were meant to live in the light. That is God's plan of design for our lives. It truly is. And not only that, if you're a believer, do you know what world we're going to live in? Light. What, is, what do we see? The, this is the future if you're a believer. No shadows, no darkness. You won't even need sunlight anymore because Jesus is our light. The glory of God gives us this light, and its lamp is the Lamb. And by its light, the nations will walk. There will be no night. Why? Because night fell on Jesus. So before we close, I want to say this. If you're here, and you've been sitting here this morning wondering if I have been reading your journal or your mail, I haven't. But I want to speak directly to you who have sat here this morning exhausted, tired, worn out, and you're squirming a little bit because you know there's a little bit of darkness and you've been wondering if I've been talking directly to you. I don't know if I am, but I know you're here and all of us here, you're surrounded by people who have darkness. Might be a temper no one ever gets to see. It could be an addiction. It could be a double life you're leading right now. And I want you to know something. The moment, hear this, the moment you and I walk out of here this morning Evil is going to meet you at the door and cause you to immediately get amnesia, fear, or to disbelieve 
everything you just heard this morning. So before that happens, let me get in one final word. Jesus went all the way into the outer darkness so you can live in the light. In the light, there is life, and you cannot do this alone. If you need someone, we're here as a church. We can pray for you after the service. I'll be up here. If you feel trapped, seek somebody out. We can help you find people. If you need someone just to pray, we'll be here. But everything fell on Jesus because this is not only our future, it's our present. Lord, we, um, I just lift it to you. Um, Lot said this morning, and I'm reminded again what we started with, light, uh, darkness hates the light. And it wants to run from it. Um, and I just pray by the power of your spirit, you wouldn't let us do that. I pray for those who need that person, that kind person. We ask in Jesus' name that you would provide that. We also do just pray that by applying this, taking it seriously, when we conduct a loneliness audit, we'd say, wow, it's a little different now. Lord Jesus, thank you for the darkness that fell on you so that we could live in your light and it would never be taken from us. In your name we pray, amen.